Okay, I was thinking while we were singing America the Beautiful, that line that said, God shed his grace on thee. Well, that's what we need is the grace of God because we sure don't deserve his blessing. And uh, grace is always the undeserved favor of God. And with all of our flaws and our problems, God has blessed us. And we sure need more of his grace. And so uh, pray for um, your country and pray for our leaders and pray for churches all around the nation, uh, not just our Southern Baptist churches. There are other churches that preach truth as well that will be able to stand firm and that will be able to uh, have impact. It uh, doesn't do any good to preach the truth if it doesn't matter to anybody. And so we want it to matter to someone. Before we go back and uh, eat fellowship, together and talk together and spend time together and build relationships. Got a little word for you here that uh, came to my mind out of the book of Romans, out of Romans chapter 12. It says, rejoice, this is verse 15 and 16, rejoice with those who rejoice, you know that, don't you? And weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another and do not set your mind on high things but associate with the humble and do not be wise in your own opinion. You know, we have this way of kind of uh, deifying and glorifying the early church. Oh, if we could only be like the early church. Boy, the early church had its high points, had its low points too. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you find that in the early church, there were even people who denied the resurrection. Paul had to rebuke them for that. They abused spiritual gifts. Paul had to rebuke them for that. They were taking one another to uh, court. Suing one another, which the Bible forbids. Uh, you know, the low point of all of those things. You read in the seven letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. It wasn't all uh, sunshine and roses and revival and all of that type of thing. It doesn't take long for human beings who are sinners like us to sink into the depths of depravity and disunity and those kind of things. And Paul felt the need even to the church at Rome to write these things. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who reap. Uh, reap. Weep. I can talk. That's not an unknown tongue. That's mine. And uh, also to be able to be of the same mind. Have you noticed how hard it is to be of the same mind anymore? So there's always something to divide us, a difference of opinion, so much information out there. And then it says something that was a problem in Corinth and apparently in Rome as well, and it's uh, something we need to be careful about too. Uh, we need to be careful that we don't always associate with the uh, modern translation, the cool kids, okay? But it says we are to associate with the humble. And there are going to be people tonight that you're going to look at and you're going to be tempted. And this should be every time we're at church. We're tempted to kind of hang around, you know, the people that we know. It's just comfortable, you know. And uh, yet there are people around who are dying for some fellowship, dying for someone to pay attention to them, dying for somebody to speak to them. And uh, that's kind of what Paul is talking about here. It's easy to be around the people you're comfortable with or the people that can kind of lift you up and build you up and that type of thing. But there are other people out there that are in pain. So let me give you some uh, words for those who fellowship. And here's the first one, okay? And uh, this is based on the line that says, Rejoice 
with those who rejoice. So first thing we have is a word to the miserable. Any miserable people here? They're in every crowd. And you know what has happened to us? It affects churches. It affects our society. It's kind of this idea that if I can't be happy, nobody can be happy. And we can't rejoice on anything. We can't count our blessings. Because if we do, we're going to make somebody more miserable and we're going to offend them and all of that type of thing. Well, here's the word to those of you who are miserable. Okay? It is not your job and calling to make everybody else miserable. Okay? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Well, it's not fair. It's not fair that they are so blessed. It's not fair that their family is intact. It's not fair that they have a good job. It's not fair. And on and on we can go. And it robs all of the rest of us of the ability to rejoice. And the Bible says very clearly, what do you do when you're miserable? You rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, if you're happy, you don't have any problem doing that. This is obviously written to those to where things aren't going quite so well. And in a church like Rome, where maybe you had a loved one thrown to the lions, well, that doesn't mean everybody ought to be as miserable as you are, Paul says. You need to learn to rejoice in the Lord always, he said in another one of his books. And uh, we need to realize that all of these things that we look at and that we think about, sometimes we get envious. So we're to rejoice with those who rejoice. Would you do me a favor and do that tonight? Would you do that tonight? If somebody has something really good happening in their life, would you be happy for them and happy with them? That's the way we're supposed to be as a body. But we've got to balance that out. Life is hard for some people. We uh, think about people who uh, maybe they don't get along well with their kids, their adult children. Maybe their children are living in sin. Maybe your family is great, and here's another family over here that their kids have come out of the closet, for example. Or maybe they're on drugs, abusing alcohol. Maybe they're living with somebody outside of marriage. What are we supposed to do with all of that? We're not supposed to just run roughshod over everybody. If somebody comes into the church and they're a stranger and we don't know them, and maybe they come from an alternative lifestyle like I talked about this morning, let's not snicker and giggle at them. Let's not look around and shun them or anything. Let's think about the fact that they may be a hurting person that God has drawn into our place so they can see what true biblical godly love is and hear the word of grace through the gospel. And that's the way we practice by the way we treat each other. And so we not only want the miserable not to make all of us miserable, but just because you're blessed, you need to remember that you're blessed by grace. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. So don't look down your noses and go, I wonder what happened to them. I wonder how they... That sounds more like Job's friends than it does the body of Christ. We don't want to go there and we don't want to be those kinds of people. So there's a balance in all of this. So we rejoice with those who rejoice and we also, well, we weep with those who weep, don't we? When things are going well by grace, we realize everybody's not in that position. We help where we can. We sympathize where we can. And uh, we try to be a blessing to people where we can. And um, don't rub your blessings in everyone's noses. Because it's not always welcome and it's not always proper to do that. Number three, 
Here's a word to the know-it-alls. You ever met a know-it-all? You ever met somebody in our church who just, they know everything. And they can one-up you on everything. And if you're sharing something to them, a burden, have you ever had this happen? I have. You share a burden, well, I'm really feeling this and this and this is happening. And before you can get it out of your mouth, instead of them helping you, they tell you how much worse their life is. Or they tell you how much worse it was on them and you can get over it or, so, or make you feel that way anyway. And uh, sometimes you discover something new in the Bible. You ever been in a Sunday school class and you tell your teacher, you know, I was reading last week and I discovered this and there's some smart aleck who goes, oh, I learned that 30 years ago. You know, that kind of stuff. We don't want to be like that. We want to be excited for one another. We want to be helpful for one another. So here's the word for the know-it-alls. We're all in the same boat as humans. Uh, if you don't believe that, read the book of Ecclesiastes where the wisest man that ever lived, who was also one of the rich, richest, how miserable that he actually was because of his sin. And we all uh, suffer different ways. And so we need to battle sin and we need to work together. And so instead of turning on... Um, Turning on each other and judging each other. Uh, we need to be careful that we are of the, Bible says here, be of the same mind. We're working together. We're walking together. We're fighting together. We're not enemies. We're allies. We're not adversaries. We're friends. We're a part of the body of Christ and of the same, um, same army and same goal to exalt Jesus, as we said this morning. So it says, be of the same mind toward one another that's that's really really hard to do and that's why Paul had to say it so often into so many churches in so many books but he goes on to say here's how we do it do not set your mind on high things but associate with the humble don't leave them out and that's why I'd like to encourage you whenever you see somebody come to the altar like if if there's a prayer time and they come don't let them come alone it's uh, why we say if you feel impressed while we're in the song service, for example, to go pray with somebody or to say a word of encouragement to somebody or to shoot a text to somebody, please do it. Please do it. Don't leave them on their own. We're to associate with the humble. And especially if we have guests in here, you never know what God may be doing in them or in their life or you never know what their pain may be. And it may not be anything you can really relate to, but you can still love them and you can still be kind to them. And this is what uh, Paul is talking about. Number four, a word to the spiritually mature and to the older folks. We're getting more and more older folks as the years go by, which I suppose is uh, normal. But the Bible says here, do not be wise in your own opinion. Do not be wise in your own opinion. What, what, what is the point and why would that be to older folks? Because we tend to be a bunch of know-it-alls. Well, back in my day, you ever heard anything start like that? You ever heard anybody say, well, they better be glad they're not my kid because I'll tell you what I would do. And all of that, we always have answers, always have answers. Now, here's, here's the key. It's okay to answer questions. It's okay to help. But be really careful if you're answering a question that nobody's asking. Someone said one time that advice that has not been asked for is construed as criticism. You know what that means? 
they shut you off. Well, these young people just won't listen. Probably, maybe you could look at the fact that you might be a know-it-all. Say, how dare you speak like that? Hey, listen, I'm one of you. Okay? I tend to answer questions before they finish asking the question. Before I even know what the question is, I've got it all figured out. And that's one of the things that happens with knowledge. You may be spiritually mature. You may know the Word of God inside and outside. But be careful that you don't just have diarrhea of the mouth. Does that, does that communicate well? Be careful that you're not just overrunning somebody before you really listen to them. Because sometimes, and men, this is where we're really bad. You know, sometimes, have you, have you figured out yet that sometimes your wife tells you something and she doesn't want you to fix it? She wants you just to listen. Then other times she does want you to fix it and it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. And that's where ladies don't hint with us. We don't get hints very well. But the same thing is true just in relationships. Somebody may talk to you tonight about something going on in their life and they don't want your advice. They don't want your five easy ways to get your family back together or whatever in there. They just may need somebody who can weep with them. They may need somebody tonight if things are going well that just gets excited and rejoices with them. They may just need somebody tonight that uh, talks to them, is friendly to them, and they walk out of here going, wow, I can't believe they spoke to me because we associate with the humble. And then maybe they need to see that we love them a whole lot more than we want to straighten them out or than we want to correct them. And let everything you do be done in love. And so that's why I think in the early church, one of the things that did work well in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We don't want to give that up. In prayer, we don't want to give that up. In breaking of bread and also in fellowship. Those are not in exact order. I, can't, I can never get them in exact order. But they're the right descriptions. And so uh, they knew how to fellowship and to fellowship well. And Romans chapter 12, these verses we read, are part of the key to fellowshipping well. So let's go and let's uh, fellowship and let's fellowship well for the glory of Christ tonight. Okay? Let's pray. Father, as we think about this, we think sometimes too superficially about these verses... And we really need to think deeply, more deeply than we've covered tonight. And we also need to make sure that we apply them tonight. We don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We don't want somebody to feel ignored. We don't want somebody to feel run over or ignored. We don't want any of that kind of thing to happen. We want to see laughter tonight, sharing, getting to know one another, wisdom that could build somebody up. But we want to do it the right way. And uh, I thank you, dear Holy Spirit, that when you had Paul write these, you sure knew what you were talking about because this is so true even 2,000 years later. We're just like they were. Help us, Lord. Help us. Bless our food. Thank you for the Sunday school classes that have prepared it, that are back there waiting on us. And thank you for the privilege we have to gather in freedom and also to have an abundance of food. You've blessed us far more than we deserve. And above all, you gave us your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as payment for our sin. Thank you so much, dear Father. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.